Hello everyone, I'm here for one of my stories. This is Lindsay Dunn, and today I'm talking to Andrew Sweatman from Art House Garage. Andrew and I are fellow critics with the Southeastern Film Critics Association, and he's had me on his show twice now. I'm glad to have him on one of my stories today to talk about the mission. Andrew, welcome! Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. Yeah, so tell us about your channel. I know some stuff already, but... It's called Art House Garage. Your tagline is the snob-free podcast. Tell me about your show and why that's important to you. Yeah, for sure. I think so the snob-free thing, well, I love movies. And at a certain point, I was just becoming super obsessed with movie podcasts. And I was like, I should make my own. And then the snob-free thing is I spent a long time, I think, being in film conversations with people and feeling like I didn't know enough to like, be part of the conversation. Uh, and I know a lot of that was probably my own thing. I, I, people weren't being mean to me, but you know, this whole idea of, oh, I'm a movie snob, um, that always felt exclusive to me. Uh, I have a lot of friends that would openly say they're movie snobs and I'm not like mad about that. But my idea with the podcast was if you don't know much about cinema and you're trying to learn more because we're all learning all the time, no one knows everything. And, uh, just trying to make sure it's very welcoming and we're not going to talk down to you if we reference things. We'll try to explain what those things are and just try mm-hmm. to make it very accessible for uh, for people. Because I, uh, the kinds of movies we're talking about are art house indie classic movies, uh, and I, it also was born of like um, I, I like I watched the movie Breathless for the first time, the John Luke Godard film, and I was like, I don't quite understand the hype, but I feel like if I understood more context, then I could appreciate what this is, um, and so the idea too was like how could i find that context and share it with other people so hopefully i do something like that with the show i have since rewatched breathless and do appreciate it more and love it actually mm-hmm. but anyway yeah that's that's my podcast we have an episode just about every other two every other week every two weeks um and if, yeah i've had you on a couple of times for some great episodes so people should check those out you seem to par- partner with many people i know you do interviews sometimes also with different film directors, just like I do. So do you feel like you have a theme of reigning theme or particular types of movies you tend to lean towards? Yeah, I guess it would be things that are, you know, not, not, not the hugest blockbuster kind of movies. Sometimes we've talked about a Marvel movie here and there, but generally it's um, smaller dramas. I will often have things that are about religion and actually like religious trauma and ex-religious things. So today's film that we're talking about is a perfect fit for me. I've done a series (laughs) on the show talking to people who like myself grew up evangelical and are no longer and, and kind of what films speak to us on, in, on that level. Um, I've also done series about, you know, speaking of, Godard, like a introduction to the French New Wave or introduction to contemporary Asian cinema, and just trying to pick a few titles that would kind of give an overview and idea of what is this sort of thing. But we've also done yeah series around different themes for different directors and that sort of thing. But generally, it's mostly newer movies. But yeah, I have a different guest just about every time who are film critics or filmmakers uh, from Arkansas, where I'm from, and uh, or surrounding states like North Carolina. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. Now, haven't you? I went on IMDb, Andrew. Have you also been in some movies? Because <laughs> oh, no. I found some IMDb yeah, credits I, given to an Andrew Sweatman. 
<laughs> That's true. I, no one's ever asked me about that. A friend of mine from high school is named Michael Ferris. He's actually been on the podcast a couple times. He is a filmmaker and and mostly are you know very low budget, made at home kind of things. But uh, some of the earlier ones, at least the ones that I'm in, are the low budget ones. He's made a couple bigger things now. Um, but yeah, they're <laughs> my acting is not good, first of all, <laughs> and they're mostly like very silly, uh, like friends shooting a movie but yeah again he has gone on to make some really good stuff too so check out michael ferris but yes i do have an imdb page oh yeah i think i was also on on, i just remembered on the imdb page there's um there was a show back in the day called the rotten tomatoes show it's like a it was a web series that guests would send in tapes and, and they used part of my review one time so that's on imdb as well Okay, so multidimensional, a person of many talents. I like that. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I'm I'm a librarian, so I tend to find things. Can't can't hide much from me. Yeah, yeah. You did your research for from this episode. That's more than I expected. Today we're talking about the mission. This is put out by National Geographic. It's got their name as well as another company, which now has left me. Um, directed by Amanda McBain and Jess Moss, who you may know them best from directing Boys State. The description of the movie, as I've written it, is on November 17th, 2018, John Chow, a missionary worker, was killed while trying to spread the message of Jesus to the people of the Sentinel Islands, an isolated community off of a group of islands near India. His actions were illegal. The documentary shares the story of his life, the factors that drove him to take such a dangerous action. While it centers John's story, it also creates a context for a larger story about missionary work in general, the history, and how it's viewed today. So... Before I get into the movie, I'm I am curious if you ever saw Boys State. I did actually did an episode on it. Uh, I did not realize until you just said that that that's the same directors. That here's me not not being a librarian, not doing my homework <laughs> enough. But um, yeah, I love Boys State. I thought it was really uh, fascinating, really similar to this movie. Like a familiar. I went to Boys State in Arkansas. Not to that well, in the film, it's Texas Boys State, um, but. I actually the episode that I did on this film I I think is really interesting because it's the guest is a guy who's um, not from the U.S. originally but is really into U.S. politics but his so his perspective on it all was really interesting um, so I encourage you to check that out but uh, yeah I really thought Boy State was fantastic and uh, again hit hit close to home in a way because I I did have some similar experiences uh, in high school and. It also, I think the way they get into the weeds in in a good way in that film, um, I can kind of see that they've done the same thing here, I I think. We'll see what you think about that. But uh, yeah, I really appreciated Boy State. Uh, What about you? Yeah, I put it, it was on my best of list for that year in my runner-ups. I had 10 blue ribbons and 10 red ribbons. That was my first year as a film critic. So I was still trying to decide how I wanted, how I wanted mm. to go about making a best of list for the year. You know, I still don't mm-hmm. think I've quite landed on one thing. I think I've done something different <laughs> every single yeah. year, but that year I picked blue ribbons and red ribbons and boy state was definitely in my red ribbons. I thought it was, I thought it was the epitome of, of a great, a well-made documentary you know, it taught you about something mm. you didn't know about before. 
most people and then gave you this riveting portrayal of it. Yeah, it was very well made, interesting and frightening at the same time. (laughs) They definitely showed you the different Mm -hmm. aspects of it. I think I called it like a Lord of the Flies, a modern (laughs) Lord of the Flies. Almost. (laughs) It was probably an exaggeration. It wasn't that nightmarish. Nobody was being... assaulted with sticks or anything but um it it was a little creepy disturbing i guess yeah i'm always just struck by how like the things they got as far as the footage like the things they got people to say and they got people to say the things people openly said on camera um is like it's like saying the quiet part out loud i guess a little bit um Mm -hmm. but just yeah a thrilling watch for that reason yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i was i was happy to say like oh yeah they're still making they're still making stuff that's good yeah so this movie is all about the variety of opinions about john and what he did before we dive in i did warn you in advance i was going to ask you to share with the viewers (laughs) the lens you're bringing to this movie because we all have one Yes. Um, And when you told me you were going to ask, I was like, oh, I have quite an answer for this question. (laughs) I'm actually, so first of all, grew up very evangelical, as I mentioned already, um, and spent many years kind of, you know, deconstructing is sort of the buzzword around that, peeling back those layers and and kind of unlearning a lot of things, um, learning about what is religious trauma and, and all of those kinds of things. So that's something I'm very interested in and something I've talked a lot about. Part of that is I actually was a missionary um, for about a year. I was uh, teaching English overseas. I'm going to be a little vague about the details of that mm-hmm. um, just for personal reasons, but I found so much, much like Boy State, found a lot that felt very familiar watching this film. And I, I when I saw the description, I was like, oh, that's fascinating. I've got to see this movie. I'm so glad that you reached out um, about me talking about it with you because it, it is when then once I watched I was like oh yes I have many thoughts so yeah that's I guess where I'm coming from is a uh, I, I am a Christian a progressive Christian I guess you'd say um, but nothing like the like the, a lot of the beliefs that we see in this film I did once hold and no longer do um, so yeah I think hopefully I'm a good person to talk to about this I, I definitely have some thoughts I this is I knew this was going to be a great conversation right right away because I already knew some of your background, although I did not know the detail about you doing mission work on the field. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I am also a Christian. I'm actively Christian. I've participated in short-term mission trips. I support currently Mm -hmm. different missionaries that I believe in what they're doing Mm -hmm. with money and prayer support. But I will say I view things through a lens of more caution now. And I've Mm -hmm. known people like John. I've gone to church with people like John. And so like you, for me, it was very familiar. And there are things like that, you know, very, but they're cringeworthy now, some of the things <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to mm-hmm. look at. My my church actually had a book club this summer, and we read a very good book called A Just Mission, which is by Mekdis Hadis. I'm probably butchering her name, but she is... Uh, from Ethiopia, moved to America and found herself lost as a person who definitely wants to see the gospel spread, but she saw how overly dominated by Eurocentric white culture missions was in the U.S. And so she wrote Mm -hmm. a book to try to bridge that gap and and show people how missions is very much linked with colonization 
and how is there are there ways we can de- decolonize missions and that's what her book is about and it really spoke to me and has actually made me question my friends that I'm supporting in different ways that that mm-hmm. they don't mind but I'll say like what happens to these wells you build who takes care of them after you build them? Because they, one of the issues she talked about is a lot of people go over short for short-term missions. They build wells. The wells aren't maintained. They dry up. Then they just build more wells. And so people give money thinking, I'm going to bring water to this place, but they haven't partnered with any local organizations. And so then they just keep drilling more and more wells. So just that's just yeah. one example of something she addressed. And it was a very eye-opening book for me to read. So that is why I think you're the perfect person to, you know, because we're the same but different. And, yeah, you know, I just, I appreciate that. In when I've had any conversation with you about faith and film, I know that's an important topic for you. Even if we have different lenses, we can still talk about it and and uh, sure. interrogate yeah. each other in a in a in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Just to speak to that briefly too. I, that book sounds fascinating. It, it was an interesting. Like, I guess I got to a point as far as missions as a whole goes. I got to a point where I was like, okay, I feel so uncertain about many of the things that I once believed. How could I ever? go overseas again and try to teach that to people. Mm. Uh, but I recognize there are lots of different avenues for that sort of thing. So I, I'm not over here saying all mission work is bad or anything like that. Uh, it, it became, it called into question my own involvement when I started to question things. And then also, yeah, like, do I want to, because I also had been supporting a lot of people financially and that sort of thing. And it, was, it definitely made me rethink a lot of that. Um, and I think sometimes my, I probably can, I, I recognize that I can, throw the baby out with the bathwater sometimes and say, okay, I need to take a step back and like distance myself from all this, but there are still good things there too. So anyway. Yeah, there's, I think that is definitely the the reaction. It's a very normal reaction. And that's why for a time I stepped away from church and I've entered back into that with mm-hmm. caution. But yeah, that's, it's totally normal to do that. Going back to the movie, <laughs> what are your overall thoughts about the movie? Yeah, very broad yeah, question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, as I mentioned, I really connected with it, um, and it's similar to what I felt with Boy State. It was like I did not realize how much this was going to like touch on my own experiences, uh, mm-hmm. and so like instant kind of personal connection with it. Um, but also just thought it was really well made, and I think we're going to talk about like the different perspectives within the film. I think, but generally, I appreciated how many different voices and, and different ideas there are featured in the film. Um, I think the inclusion of the father is really fascinating, and who and what his perspective is on everything. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really well made and and painted a uh, a picture that I think is. Okay, I'm skipping ahead to the next few questions. So mm-hmm. I'll just hold back and say I really appreciate it. I did not know this story. Uh, I think I'd heard, you know, maybe when it happened, I heard that something had happened, um, mm-hmm. but didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. So just on the story level, I was very interested. Um, but I thought that it brought a lot of good context to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree that it, I had heard about this event back when it happened. And in fact, I was looking to see, you know, last night I was looking around on Apple Podcasts to see what other podcast reviews I could find for the movie. Haven't found a mm. one yet. So ours might be the first. Mm, wow. um, there but we go. <laughs> yeah. But I did find by putting in the name John Chow, I found the Holy Post podcast that 
a brief discussion of his actions, not about the movie, because that was back when it happened. So they touched on that. They had a good discussion, but I think there were a lot of memes and things coming out at the time. So it was sort Mm -hmm. of a viral news story that came out. Yeah. But you Mm -hmm. didn't really have a lot of information. So this gave a like a lot of larger context for it, more background so that you can make a more informed decision about it and not just jump to conclusions or fill in your own narrative because they had, yeah, for instance, there was this question about did anybody send him? And there was the thought that like, oh, somebody did. There was a sending organization. However, from this movie, we find out he came to that organization and asked him to sponsor it. So it's not like they asked him to do this. He was the Mm, one that approached them. So you can, it just gives you more information to be more informed about the event and be able to really sit with and contemplate what the true story is going into this. And I appreciated Mm. how they handled it with a lot of gravitas. You know, they took it seriously. And like we said, we're both, we'll talk about it more, but it was very well balanced and it just gave, yeah, I thought it was a great documentary. Just maybe not quite as for people like us, it's going, it really hits home. I I do wonder how it's going to be received, how it will be received and is being received by people who aren't as invested in that topic or as informed, you know, as personally mm-hmm. in involved in that topic, how it would be received overall by a larger community. Yeah, I'm really curious about that as well. We'll definitely be staying tuned to the reactions to this down the road. Mm-hmm. So the style of the movie is what you might call a scrapbook style. Oh, this is pretty typical of many documentaries. We have many kinds of footage combined together. There's found footage, constructed footage. Now, some of that might also be found footage, but it wasn't clear. Sometimes they were in this canoe and there were some that were obviously, mm-hmm. oh, this is a video that John posted of himself in a canoe. But then there were other times yeah. I felt like, well, maybe somebody just got in a canoe and was pretending they were there. So there's maybe some constructive footage. There's clips of existing films of people who in the past visited. There's animation from his journals. His father's memories are also tend to be animated. The things that shaped him, we find about like what books he was reading. There's social media posts, which may or may not be invented. I couldn't get onto his Facebook page to see Mm. if these were actual Facebook posts or ones that had been made (laughs) up. So how did that mixture of formats work for you? in the documentary and were there parts that seemed unneeded or distracting? I I appreciate that question because I have seen documentaries where a similar kind of style can be distracting, but I thought this all was constructed really thoughtfully. Um, and I, yeah, I assumed that those were real social media posts. I don't, I don't know, but just based on the context of everything, it felt as if like this is something he would have posted. Uh, and some of them were significant and interesting in a way that I was like, I don't think they would have just invented that to, put it in but yeah I, I thought the animation was effective it was it was attractive without being like too showy or like because that might have taken away from things as well um yeah it's fascinating to to have his journal to have it's apparently the father wrote this letter to the production that they have you know actors reading kind of sort of dramatic readings i guess of those um and that's and i think they also do a good job at the beginning of like explaining how that that context that like okay we have his journal these are actors reading this um 
but then it it uses all those I, th- I thought really effectively i don't have i have a couple of like nitpicky things about this film later to talk about but as far as how it's constructed i really don't have any complaints i thought it was um really really well made and uh kept me very invested uh, the whole time mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting the parts there are some parts they chose to animate because like there was the scene where he's putting his hands on the painting because he wants to enter into it. The, uh, after reading the mm. voyage of the Dawn Treader, he's like, if Narnia I touch the style, painting, yeah. can I go into the world of Narnia? Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a smart choice because he's doing something with his imagination. So it's easier to animate that as well as the footage they did of, they kind of reenacted the death or his murder in um in an animation and sometimes that choice to show violence in animation can be a way to show something without it being super as upsetting or violent Mm -hmm. i don't know how much uh how many graphic novels you read um but there's the the uh book about how to the art of graphic novels basically understanding comics Mm -hmm. by scott mcleod and he talks about how sometimes there can be, you know, showing something in a comic style is a way to remove it a little bit. Like the graphic novel Mouse is like mm. Germans and Nazi concentration camp. And it's, yeah, yeah, you know, mice and pigs and dogs. And so it almost makes the reception of it go down just a little bit easier. So Yeah, it's like a little more palatable while still being powerful. I actually haven't read Mouse, but I know it's supposed to be great. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting to include his father's thoughts. I liked how they included his journals and put them in where appropriate. So you're getting to hear he can't he's not with us, but we get to hear his thoughts as well about what he's doing mm-hmm. and get that. Um, the social media posts were interesting. I, and yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense they were real, but I, I guess I thought. Well, they could have taken some of this, these journals to make it seem like, oh, he's a young person. Yeah. He's probably using social media. So that's that's why I wasn't sure. But I don't think anything didn't work for me. I liked the the format and I felt I felt like everything was well chosen. I don't know if I found a lot of fat in in it. Anything I would have cut or like, well, they that was unnecessary. It seemed very well constructed and put together. All right. So let's talk about the people, the perspectives that are in here. I've seen people say, well, just one person. I shouldn't say people. I saw one person Hmm. on Letterboxd say, this is a clear rebuke of John's actions. And others have said it was balanced. What do you think? How do people we hear from work together to tell a larger story? I found it to be pretty balanced. I am really curious to hear if any conservative Christians feel otherwise and and what they would say. Um, But for me, it was like hearing directly from John and in his journal and his social media and things like that and and understanding his worldview. You know, he's this young on fire for God. And we hear like his pastor friend preaching about him at the end. And um, we hear from his missions professor at Oral Roberts who obviously has a very particular perspective on it all. Um, I was impressed by how many different guests and like the variety of guests, because we have like people he worked with this young woman who had a crush on him back in the day and tried to like mm-hmm. made a move on at one time. And he was like, un- like that was so interesting to hear. Um, but then for me, the most 
fascinating were like his his father's journal mm-hmm. or his father's letter, I guess, which you know, he feels as if his son. I, I was writing down in my notes like he was sucked into a, the whirlpool of radical evangelicalism, and feels like his son was really radicalized to mm-hmm. to want to go do this and didn't. He, he said like I didn't realize at the time how much of an effect him going to church and all that was having on him um and then the guy who was a missionary for many years this he was the most fascinating to me he was a missionary i believe in brazil um for like 30 years and he uh, i think smartly the film doesn't immediately tell you even people's names but also like who they are it kind of reveals that um in very very intentionally and for this person who he's like an older gentleman we see him seems to be in like a college professor study or something um and come to find out and he's talking about yeah i i was a missionary for many years or talking about his time in the mission field and how he feels about you know reading john's journal and all of that Early in the film, I was like, I wonder if this guy's an ex-missionary, just based on kind of the way he was saying a few things. And then that that exactly is the case. He completely lost his faith, went through a divorce over it and everything, got to a point living there amongst this tribe of people, realizing that this gospel that I'm trying to bring, it not only doesn't make sense, it's like not helpful. It's like it doesn't compute. Like, it doesn't matter how many years I stay here this message isn't going to make any sense to them. And then that called into question, which yeah, felt very familiar, like um, calling into question, why did I do this in the first place? Was I influenced? Um, some of that is my own words, not his in the film, but um, I did just feel a lot of <laughs> kinship with that character and, uh, and the pain of that, of like realizing uh, I don't think I can be honest with myself and believe this anymore. Um, and so, yeah, mm-hmm. his perspective on it all was, was really, really important to the film, I think. Um, and so, I mean, like the people that I was excited to hear from are the people that believe like me, right? Which is probably the bias anyone's <laughs> going to have come into this. Uh, but yeah, I would be really curious to hear like, because we, we do get so much of the sort of evangelical perspective from the people in the film that for one thing, I think the, the filmmakers couldn't have come and said, Hey, we're going to make this hit job about John Chow and that they wouldn't have ever been in it. Right. Um, uh, because it didn't, it doesn't feel like a hit job to me. I, in a funny way, it kind of honors him. I think, um, mm-hmm. like the, there's a scene, a sequence toward the end where the father is sort of reflecting on, I think the father's letter says something like, I hope this film, or I hope he's remembered with this eulogy and he reads this poem. that's really beautiful. And it like pauses to like, remember this person's life at the same time. He did this very, it's, I would say misguided thing. And I think that the filmmakers would agree with that, especially knowing that they made boy state also. Um, but, but I do think I found it pretty balanced with all those, uh, sort of more conservative perspectives on it. Um, but again, I would, I, I would be really curious to hear, um, what's, I, I, I was imagining, you know, what if I watched this with, you know, a friend from back then that still believes that way, would they be angry at this part or not? And, uh, I felt like most of the time it was pretty palatable for anyone, I think. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I have my, my own viewpoint is all I have. I I would agree with you that those perspectives that you mentioned, I really liked that uh, the former missionary, his name is Daniel Everett. Um, it kind of bothered, it really, it did bother me that they didn't say the person's name because I was trying to make questions for you and write down information <laughs> yeah, and be informed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was when I was watching the movie, I didn't notice they didn't have names because I was just digesting the information. But then later on, I was like, who's this person again? Why are they talking? So Daniel was really interesting, his father. And it must have it must be so painful for him 
even mm. like reading, having this read because here he loves his son, obviously, but he truly feels that he was misguided and that he lost his son earlier than he needed to because nobody stepped in to sort of show him maybe he could do it a different way or do something slightly altered from that plan. So it just must be so painful for him. So listening, it was very moving listening to his journals. I also really liked hearing from Adam Goodhart, who he was the gentleman with the black shirt and the facial hair. He was kind of bald. He had, he was the, <laughs> the person that <laughs> went to the Sentinel Islands earlier oh, in life yeah, sorry, different guy i was thinking of the pastor yeah this this wasn't a pastor he's um i can't remember his he might just be a historian or something but 20 yeah, years or anthropologist before, or something yeah he was really interesting go ahead sorry. yeah 20 years before john did his trip he went to the sentinel islands and he had he wasn't he didn't try to land there it looks like he just took a boat and was nearby got scared off by a monsoon <laughs> and then but what bothered me about him is i looked him up later cuz i was trying to make sure that okay i have the right person yes his name is adam goodhart and they showed a book he wrote he was reading out of this book and he says i think these words might have inspired john chow and i don't know how i feel about that so then you're like okay now we know who he is what bothered me about him is that when I went on to research him after John's death, he has gone on to write a book. He actually went back to the Sentinel Islands. I don't have enough information really? to know like if he actually tried to land, but it's almost like he used John's death to go back again and revisit the island and think about yeah, I was just like, why did you do why would you do that? He didn't obviously he didn't go for missionary work, but that sort of bothered me. And I can I don't have the name of his book, but he wrote a book about his about his uh stuff and used John's story as a tagline for his book for 2018 this happened mm. and 20 years ago I did this and then yeah. I did think of one other person I want to mention too that I was glad they included which was his like college or high school accountability partner um that was fascinating to hear yeah. <laughs> like just it was funny too because that's that sort of thing has been in the news with uh our new speaker of the house talking about being accountability partners with his son and like and like the the porn blocking web browsers mm -hmm. and things like has been all over my twitter which is such a funny thing that i never thought would be in the news and then it was kind of referenced in this movie too with that sort of thing um but yeah, that was one of the moments of like, oh, I don't hear about accountability partners very often in movies, but that was, you know, a very common thing growing up. So yeah, anyway. He had this funny footage too that I was I was thinking, oh, my dad would have been so mad. It was his choir concert and somebody was filming <laughs> oh, yeah. it and then he was sort of cheesing for the camera and not singing at his own concert. Yeah. I was like, if that was my dad, he would have whipped my butt. He would have been like, what are you doing? You shouldn't be looking at the camera. You're supposed to be performing. Not literally whip my butt, but he would have given me his opinion about it. That's all I'm saying. So, And then they had Pam Arland, who is, uh, works for All Nations or did, and they showed some training simulations they do to practice yeah. what it's like coming up to <laughs> trying to interact with people who don't want you there. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was interesting, well, you know. Yeah, that. I'll say about my own sort of training before I was a missionary. We didn't do that sort of thing, but we did 
uh, in a role play, like giving your testimony to someone and that sort of thing. But what was familiar about that stuff was, I mean, the, the, the types of things that John really was holding on to was like the sense of adventure. Like he was such an outdoor, you know, a lover of the outdoors and was even like kind of an influencer at one point for different brands for outdoor mm-hmm. things, which was interesting to see. Um, but yeah, like the sense of adventure and like this, like I, I remember the honest belief was like, taught to me and i was like i never thought of it this way that like whenever the last unreached people group uh one person from that group accepts christ and boom that's the end of the world and mm-hmm. like that was preached to me like right before we went and like as this cool thing we get to be a part of which uh, i don't believe anymore <laughs> but it was so it's so interesting to yeah to get to kind of see those types of things um up on the screen but yeah yeah it was perky jerky and some sandal company <laughs> yeah. were the brands <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, that was it was interesting seeing his he does have friends in here that say they admire him. They wish they were that brave. And at the mm-hmm. same time, they're like, yeah, my friend, he maybe it wasn't that wise for him to go. And then you had you had these other people, but they definitely showed how he this sense of adventure and the end of the spear. I remember when that movie came mm-hmm. out. Yeah, about Jim Elliott. We're going to talk about group. him mm-hmm. more. But Robinson Crusoe and going to the ends mm-hmm. of the earth and how it's such an appealing concept for white adventurers. <laughs> Probably many, you know, not just <laughs> white people, everybody, but because we're Americans, it's ingrained in us this whole thing about exploring and, mm. and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful, powerful story. So were there any particular parts? You've already mentioned a few, but were there any moments that really spoke to you or had a big impact on you? Yeah, I think the one, uh, the the biggest one for me was when it's right at the end of the story and we're like getting up, I think it's right after they told kind of the story of how he died, which is actually not totally confirmed, but it was enough that it was in the news and all of that. So that's interesting. But but then right at that, the, the way that's edited actually in that, final sequence i think is really well done because then they bring in that ex-missionary and he talks about the north um, uh, sentinelese and like what this would be like from their perspective you know he could be bringing diseases that could wipe us out because that has happened to other tribes he could be trying to bring beliefs that we don't want to believe and we're very happy on our own we don't have the resources for him and like having all of that in that moment i thought was really uh, a smart move on the filmmaker's part and just really powerful to because i think we we didn't get much of we we had we had just bits and pieces of that enough but i think kind of withholding that and then like driving that home in that moment was really powerful i thought so that makes it sound like it's not very balanced i think because that is like the climax of the movie they bring that that information in but yeah for me that was that was one of the best parts what about you there were there were two quotes uh, i wrote down so the tn pandit uh, the way you were describing it was reminding me of his thing too. But he said uh, he was mm-hmm. an anthropologist, had gone and yes. had done years of friendly visit. And he said, violence is not only killing someone. Violence is you are made to do things against your will. Violence is using harsh words while describing them. I am shouting myself hoarse, protect them. Outsiders coming there with friendship in their hearts can do a lot of damage i wrote down the exact same quote that was my kind of other favorite moment yeah go ahead okay yeah i just i don't know mic drop i was like (laughs) 
It was, yeah. it was, yeah. He was showing pictures um, for people who haven't seen it yet. He was showing pictures people had taken of the Sentinelese and how the photographer took many pictures that day, but the ones that got published were the ones of them pointing arrows at the cameras if they're going to shoot it. So then mm-hmm. the image we're given is that these are just very violent people who are uncivilized that just want to kill everybody. He shows himself interacting with them and talking with them and getting to hear from their perspective why they don't want people to come. There was a concept that the guy was talking about. It comes, there's this thing that comes from the water and it takes people captive. And like you said, diseases in different ways. And I was trying, I was looking at his words and he says, you were made to do things against your will. Um, He might not want to, at first I thought, well, does he mean taking people captive? But I think he was actually talking about, hey, I don't want to hurt you, but if you keep coming closer, I will hurt you to protect myself. Mm -hmm. But then it makes them look like they're violent. And I just liked how he says, violence is using harsh words while describing them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That such a powerful, uh, segment as well. And, um, yeah, just hissing, coming, I wrote that part down again that you, you had said, but coming with friendship in your heart, uh, where exactly was it? say outsiders coming with friendship in their hearts can be very damaging. And I think that's just not, uh, widely enough understood. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I appreciated that that was included in this because that's a really important context for this story. Did you have any others? Uh, those were the two that I had written down to, to bring up. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I thought you were wonderful. done. Otherwise, I would never have <laughs> put that one before. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I thought I was too. I'd forgotten. That, oh, yeah, that's the other thing that okay. I had put in my notes. But yes, yeah. The only other one I had was Adam Goodhart's last speech where he says, uh, the, mm. there's no evidence that the Andamanese engaged in cannibalism. This is a, when they were showing videos of people that are like, oh, these people are cannibals. And he's like, there's no evidence of that. The idea, this idea that people who exist out of time, that also erases their humanity. They are just as modern as we are. There's no reason that hunting for turtles with spears is any less modern than writing a book on a laptop. So why do we deny them their modernity and that it's part of a narrative that we find seductive? I really liked that part because it wasn't something I had thought about that explicitly that, yes, like I knew that I knew the idea that like people romanticize this notion of the people at a time. But when he said it erases their humanity. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think it's in that same sequence at the end, too, that he he's kind of sort of putting a pin in the whole film in a way. And he, he's like, what are the conclusions we can come to from this? And basically, the one the line that I wrote down was like, we're telling a story about us, not about them. It's like, this really is all about um, John Chow being killed has so much more than to do with John Chow that it has anything to do with the people group he was trying to reach. Um, and I, I thought that was a, a nice way to kind of end things. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he had, all, he had this plan, this grand plan, but it was all about like what I'm going to do as if the other person uh-huh. doesn't have a say in it. Step one will be this step two. Oh, will man, be that. I, just I just remembered a really 
pertinent quote from that play, The Book of Mormon. I don't know if you've ever seen or heard anything, but there's a, a moment where I think they're going as missionaries and it's a very comedic moment, but they're like going to bed for the night after they've just gotten to the mission field. And he says, I'm here for you. I'm here for you too. And then he says, that's right. We're here for us. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> kind of the idea being put through here as well. But, yeah. Yeah. Like one more thing I wanted to mention about that last speech is that they had, while he was talking about the turtles and hunting for turtles and all that, they showed footage of this. It was a an older movie. The man is like petting the people and feeding them mor- morsels as if they're mm-hmm. animals at a zoo. And mm-hmm. I thought that was also very disturbing seeing how he was coming up to them. The, they're talking about the narrative that's seductive and white seductive of Mm. a white man coming as a conqueror and imbuing this knowledge and spreading my knowledge and my technology to you. And he's doing it while basically petting the the people and feeding them bites Mm. out of his hand, like they're children. And it was visually very arresting. So my next question is really a question. It's all about me. Um, But it I guess I have an answer, but I wanted to give find out what you thought too. Are you surprised that a film like this is being made? Yeah, a little bit, I think. Uh in this I keep mentioning Boy State again and again, but in the same way that I was surprised a film was made about that sort of subculture, here is a film like I think the issue around this film is a a pretty vital one that there's not enough understanding around and I think it's important that that a movie like this exists i i am surprised i think it's um how do you if someone told me oh we're gonna make a film about missions and colonization i would like how what how what what story could you possibly put uh on screen that would kind of encapsulate that but i think they've done a really good job building those thematic things out naturally from this story um so yeah i am surprised uh but pleasantly so yeah i feel the same way i'm just like really what i i guess i just didn't you know it's not like this is being shown at a christian film festival it's being shown at regular right regular film festivals all over the country and a lot of people seem very interested in it there's already 17 reviews on imdb and it's not available really to the public yet unless you go to a festival i just didn't realize people were that interested in modern missions so but i mean that's I guess that's yeah. the power of a good documentary. It can draw interest to something that you don't think you're interested in. Yeah. It's it's really fascinating because I was sitting watching it like thinking, okay, there's people from my past that would think this movie, or might think this movie is evil, that it's, you know, talking about missions in a way that is um, making it out to be a bad thing when we really, you know, we, we got to spread the gospel, all that. But then on the other side, thinking there's people who would watch this and be like, do people really believe this? Are there really Christians that are believing this kind of thing? And like, mm. here I am kind of sitting in the middle and be like, yeah, that's real. Um, and uh, yeah, just again, the familiarity of it all. But I, I do think it might be polarizing for that reason. But again, I, I feel like they've gotten pretty mm-hmm. good down the middle of um, presenting the different sides of it. But yeah. Yeah. So this is a little bit outside of the movie itself, but I'm thinking about how John Chow is viewed versus Jim Elliott or Nate Saint, who we see depicted in the film. In fact, we see footage of them. They were also killed doing Mm -hmm. missionary work. The Jim Elliott, Nate Saint crew, they're still lauded as Christian heroes today that I think 
people who are in the homeschool curriculum get taught about. These are some of our great American uh, Christian heroes. But very little praise was given to John Chow, even in the faith community. What do you think is causing these differences in how the death is being recognized? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I don't really know the answer. But I think it's interesting that because I also didn't know I mean, I certainly knew he was not, you know, esteemed in the way Jim Elliott was or is. Um, but I, I didn't know, like, are there faith groups that are, you know, taking him on as a, a story that they're using as sort of inspiration? Because you kind of see in the film that his friend who was a pastor who refused to be in the film kind of was hoping that would happen. Like we see like basically, the I don't know if it's, it wasn't his funeral, but it was like this pastor speaking shortly after John's death and kind of trying to inspire the people who are listening to, you know, have a faith like John and, you know, be a firebrand or be like this much on fire for God, um, which is absolutely how Jim Elliott was, his story was used for me. And, and and like, that was, that's part of the story, right? Is that he was killed and then his wife goes and it's not only this act of forgiveness to the people who killed her husband, but then she is able to continue the work. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it is interesting. It's like, in this modern time, there were like, like as you mentioned, all the memes about it, which is fascinating to see. They show a few of those things in the film, which are cruel, honestly, <laughs> like mm-hmm. so callous about his death. Um, but so I don't know if just like something about the modern media firestorm wouldn't allow for that kind of thing as much. I, I almost wondered if the film was going to show, I don't know, this person's going to try because they're inspired by him or something and like carry the torch forward or something like that. Um, but it doesn't really give us that. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't really know, but I do think it's really fascinating. And I think maybe just maybe the modern, the modernness uh, of, of it, like I mentioned, but also it could be how misguided his actions were maybe. Cause I, I think even people that thought, Oh, his faith is really strong and that's a good thing. were saying uh, he, of course he was going to get killed doing this. Like it was so it's such a misguided action that maybe it's hard to be too inspired by it for that reason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's just a lot more interest these days on or knowledge or whatever about the harmful effects of colonization. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. Yeah. And but also, once again, he definitely was seemed to be working a little more in isolation, even though he had supposedly ascending mm-hmm. organization. He came up with this plan himself. And we hear him try to drum up he has journal entries or letters that he reads that are obviously looking for support looking for partners but it's not clear how many Mm -hmm. people they don't say like i got 30 people on my team or now i have 100 supporters there's Mm -hmm. there's nothing like that where you're hearing really that there were all these people supporting him and his work and in fact when he goes to the sending organization which is called all nations she's like uh we're gonna have to have some more conversations about this because you're talking about a place that's that's illegal so his he was going out there by himself whereas the men with jim elliott they went as a group and it was a little more organized they spent from what i could tell they also spent a lot of time before they even landed if I remember from the movie, they did a lot more things like um, just flying overhead to sort of make friendly mm-hmm. contact from a distance, waving and things like that. They had a little bit mm-hmm. more of a plan that they put into place, not saying that it's still necessarily any better. But mm-hmm. 
there could also be some some lack of knowledge too about how it my assumption is that this is all that it's all universally lauded but today when i got on to look at rachel saint she was she's the person that went over with elizabeth elliot after to mm-hmm. connect with the Hurani people that killed her brother apparently she's in a book by Joe Kane called Savages where she's criticized for her negative effects her proselytizing had on the people who when she came to live in their village he criticized her so there probably were people critiquing and are still these yeah. these individuals but I just don't hear about them but maybe it's because they're older yeah. too <laughs> Yeah, maybe so. And just like today's world is, is everyone's a critic, maybe. But also, I think the, oh the other gosh, more yes. of a cultural understanding of, of uh, yeah. The hard, I mean, I mean, just look at the, the the charts of people that are have no religious affiliation. Like, there's not the assumption of Christianity for Americans as there was uh, back when Jamilia was working. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, I did think it was interesting how. They mentioned just like we other a lot of people go to movies and they go to the Avengers and they're all, everybody's doing this and that and wanting to be these heroes. That John Chow was like end of the spear. That was his his big movie. Thinking about how you know things can shape us so much and inform the decisions we make in life, and I think the movie definitely shows that too. So we're coming to the end of our talk. We've already both said we really like the movie. You mentioned some critiques. Do you want to go ahead and put those in now? Yeah, yeah, they're just minor things, and it's it's kind of like I wish we had a little more of this topic uh, in a couple of different places. And one is maybe just like history of colonialism and missions could have been interesting. I also see how that could have detracted from you know the story they're telling, but I think that context could have been. And it's also a huge topic, so how do you boil that down into you know just a few minutes? But I thought that could have been could have been an interesting thing and like how like the roman or like the the british empire and uh you know the way christianity was very much wrapped up in what they were doing and and how they were subjugating everyone some of that could have been interesting context to bring in Um, but the other thing um is they mentioned it a little bit and this probably would have been almost like prying too much into the family dynamics in a way that might have felt ethically gray but uh, the father mentions in his letter that uh, he 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 thinks his son was influenced or affected greatly by his own professional sort of crisis, and he just kind of briefly mentions that he had lost his his license. Um, and I think you know, pulling extrapolating from that a little bit more, it would totally make sense. And also, this is just like maybe too much speculation, but that John might have had some disillusionment towards his father and. Um, I think in in those kind of circumstances, uh, organized religion can be really attractive. And so I think that's something I've become interested in is like, um, often you see like prison ministries or like people who are like sort of at quote unquote rock bottom. It almost seems predatory sometimes the way churches try to evangelize and, uh, and radicalize people in those kind of situations. So I think it could have been interesting to see, you know, what was it about John Chow's psyche that uh, they used the word radicalized and his father used the word radicalized that, that made it uh so attractive to him that that he would you know be so all in and sort of like the people that are that have that sort of radical faith quote unquote like what is it about um how how does that happen i guess is the question that that probably including something like that probably would have tipped this too far into like not being a balanced portrayal um but that was something that i felt uh 
could have been an interesting context to bring in as well. But yeah, so really very minor things. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I wanted more, which is a good, in a way, a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's interesting that you were like, those weren't the things I was expecting you to say. It's like what perspectives were missing. And that is an interesting question. The mm-hmm. only thing I can really think of is the, the movie does, I feel like, it is highly complimentary of John, not necessarily of his actions. Many people that are in the movie mm-hmm. don't agree with what he did and find mission work troubling, but there isn't really anybody who's strongly like, this was wrong, this was bad. I don't know, maybe his dad is the closest to that. And yeah, which is maybe the filmmakers mm-hmm. chose to make sure that it was a positive, you know, in order in order to maybe use him, there might have been some some things, but they could have included some of the some of the negative press he got. They really didn't include anything like, mm-hmm. like that that was scathing critiques of John's actions. It stayed pretty yeah. either neutral or positive towards him. And that was a choice. Um so that but we could have maybe heard from somebody that out and out wanted to say that how much they disagree of with his actions to be a little if we want to be truly balanced yeah 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 it's interesting because they do have you know people are saying like here's why this kind of mission work is a problem but they aren't saying like john's a bad person for doing this and in fact Mm -hmm. the person like the ex-missionary guy he seems to have some compassion for like he's reading john's journal it's like this is how i would have been this is exactly this feels so familiar to what i felt back in the day which was yeah such an interesting like compassionate view and then also another moment that i really liked was it's also at near the end sort of conclusion section of the film that same person i keep i don't have the names in front of me i'm so sorry the guy who was a, a missionary in brazil for 30 years he i think it's when he's talking about he's lost his faith and talking about okay these kind of actions are a problem there's not billions of people who believe what i believe there are billions of very religious people um and and i guess that's the closest they the film gets to like calling out organized religion in any kind of real way uh but i thought that was really interesting and and just thinking about like the people that are um gonna stand up and say like like the indian anthropologist that we see like how many people are are in a position to say we shouldn't be doing this. Not that many, <laughs> but there's lots and lots of people who are like, oh yes, we need to go reach all the nations. Um, and so just seeing like, I guess the one-sidedness of the the whole issue was fascinating to me as well. Mm-hmm. We're getting into FYC season where we're going to have to choose some award winners in different yeah. categories coming up. It does make me curious if the mission will be part of that conversation for documentaries. Any thoughts about that? I know it's up there for me. Um, again, I, I think, so you talked about like how figuring out how to do best of the year things earlier for yourself. For me, it's like the journey has been, I can, I, realizing it's always going to be subjective. And so like this movie spoke to me personally. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's important to, to include it in some of my, at least discussions and stuff, uh, you know, top 10 list. I don't know, whatever. But um I certainly thought this was really well made and really powerful and and important enough, like a as I mentioned, like a kind of a vital issue that more people need to know about. That I feel uh, really strongly about. I also feel like I'm so biased <laughs> that I can't maybe be uh, like I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm like oh yeah, this could totally win the Oscar, but actually I have no idea if if anyone else will connect with it at all. But I certainly did, and um, uh, I hope that it does well. I hope that more people see it. I think this might be two, uh, one out of two or three documentaries I've seen this year, so it's already on my short list as well. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. 
same for me as but, well. Yeah, I'm also, I prioritize seeing it when I'm not sure that everybody has. But hey, since not, mm-hmm. since critics in general don't see a lot of documentaries, if you and I both uh, nominate, it's probably got a pretty good chance of being on being on the list. Yeah, I hope so. And yeah. I, I feel like Boy State had had a lot of buzz and I can't remember. It might mm-hmm. have been Oscar nominated. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, but yeah, so yeah. maybe. Okay. So any final thoughts before we close and give ourselves kudos and potential <laughs> yeah. new followers? Um, I think I would just say, you know, if you're someone listening to this who has listened to all this and hasn't seen the film, I really encourage you to seek it out and uh, make time for it because I think it's, and if you're also like I was for a long time and still am to some degree, like what do I think about missions in general? Like, I think this is a really um, powerful, you know, addition to um, that whole conversation because yeah, again, I literally was a missionary and now I am uh, at at the, at least very dubious of mission work. Um, I think kind of what you're saying, like when it's service projects like that can be done well, I I think. Um, But the the proselytizing and, and all of that, like I'm pretty, pretty firmly against you know anything that can lead to that sort of colonization and and all of that just proselytizing in general so um all that to say i i think this movie can be really informative for a lot of people and i hope hope people watch it Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not sure if it's when it will be available to the general public and where it will be showing i don't see any it says it was released october 13th of 2023 in the u.s but it doesn't say if it was in any theaters i don't see that you can get it on vod or anything just yet but definitely look for it sometime uh, yeah in the near I, say, I think national geographic stuff goes to disney plus I think at least it, oh, okay. it a long time it did. So I would imagine this will probably be on Disney plus in some way. They have like a national geographic section where you can watch like fire of love and like some of those really great Nat Geo okay. docs from the last few years. Yeah. So I bet it'll be there before too long. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Look for it on Disney plus coming soon. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so let us know, Andrew, where the best place is to find you and follow you. If my listeners want to keep up with what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at Arthouse Garage on any social media things, Letterboxd as well. Um, and then the podcast is Arthouse Garage. You can find it on any podcast app. Um, if you are particularly interested in the faith and film stuff, it's I did a, a series explicitly about that um, last year. So you can kind of look back in the podcast feed or on the website, arthousegarage.com and find that. Um, but yeah, hopefully bringing interesting stuff all the time is the goal. So I uh, would love to have anyone join us and also reach out to me on social media if you have thoughts or questions or whatever. Anything special coming up that you know you're going to be reviewing soon or talking about? <sighs> Let's see. Um, I just did Killers of the Flower Moon and I was really happy with how that one turned out. We talked kind of a lot about the controversy of it. I don't know exactly. We've been, we've been doing um, the films of Darren Aronofsky, which has been really fascinating. We just have one more episode left in that that I'm trying to get scheduled. Award season coming up. It's, you know, it's the yeah. busy, busy time of year. Um, but generally speaking, planning to do some of the big awards contenders in the next, you know, months, weeks and months. So um, it's an exciting time for for, for any film critic, I think. And so uh, hopefully the mm-hmm. podcast will reflect that and have lots of interesting big name movies coming up soon. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here, Andrew, and for giving this movie your attention and sharing your thoughts with me. I really, truly appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, you know, I was planning to watch this anyway, but I'm so glad you reached out because that prompted me to watch it sooner. I'm so glad I did and, and needed a place to talk about it too. So I really appreciate you having me on. I would love to come back anytime you, uh, you want me to. Yeah. I just was, I was like, okay. Um, I saw that this, my, one of my distributors sent this with three movies and I was like, you know, you should watch this. You should watch this. I didn't necessarily want to just because there's so many movies <laughs> and you never know. I had no idea if it was going to be interesting or not or well done or if it was just going to be like, we hate missions work. So I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I definitely need the right person to process. And I've been waiting for the right opportunity, something that would fit you and, and me together so we could have a good episode. And we did. So thank you so much. Oh, perfect. Thank you. All right. Well, I will see everybody next time on one of my stories. Goodbye. Goodbye.